Well, as we're talking about anxiety, let's all just take a deep breath and let it out. See, you guys are already calm. That's the end of the message. We're done. See you guys next week. No, but many of you guys know um, that I spent about a year of my life in the Middle East with the United States Army, splitting time between two different countries, Kuwait and Syria. So for those who don't know, when you are getting deployed to the Middle East, everybody goes to Kuwait. Kuwait's like your central staging ground before you go anywhere else. So you can get there, you fly into Kuwait, you might spend a few months, a few days, a few weeks, who knows, and then you get sent to whomever else knows. My unit, we deployed about 1,200 people. We had troops in Syria, Afghanistan, Jordan, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, I think Iraq, and a bunch of other places, and it was wild. Like, like I said, 1,200 of us left, and then you get to know these people in Texas before we go overseas, and you're like, oh, this guy's kind of a good guy. And then we get overseas, and you're like, I don't know where this guy went. And then nine months later, fast forward, you're like, bro, good to see you. Where were you? He's like, I was just in Egypt at the pyramids, staying at like some resort base. And I was like, ah, that sounds epic. I was in Syria and my bag got raided by mice and it was gross and stinky. So I'm jealous. But all that to say, life overseas was interesting. In Kuwait, we had these massive tents that we slept in, slept like 60 people. We had about 30 guys and I'm just giant like foam tents with these like massive steel support beams and our, and our base was like in the middle of nowhere. So I think, I think I have some pictures that I, that I put on there that you can kind of get, uh, an image. That's me in sand. Um, it's in the middle of nowhere and there's sand literally everywhere that you look. So if you guys are star Wars nerds and you know, what Tatooine is, who knows what that is? That is what it looked like. I think there's more pictures on there too. You can just clip through them. That's what it was everywhere you look was just sandy abyss, and it was nothing. And at first, you're like, this is kind of cool. And then, like, day three goes by, and you're like, there's sand. We're, like, sand in places where sand should not be. I'm tired of this. I'm ready to get out of here. I want to go home. But our days consisted of sitting around, playing video games, working out, eating, sleeping, shooting a lot, going to ranges, training a lot for hours upon hours, days upon days, perfecting our skills, so that when we had to leave, we were ready. So from August to April, or August, in August, we're in Kuwait, we go to Syria, there's no worries, and our life over there is honestly pretty similar. We're still sitting around eating, sleeping, but we have a job to do. We have people to protect. And our lives were extremely, extremely, extremely detailed, but they were wildly simple. Every single day, we were told what time we had to be up, where we had to be, what we had to wear, what the uniform was, what gear we needed, what our mission was, what the threat level was, how fast we are to drive on the public roads, how much ammo we need, what, we, what do we do in case of a medical emergency? Where do we go if we get overrun? Where do we hide? We literally had every single thing planned down to the smallest detail. So there wasn't much, there wasn't much to stretch about, stress about, but the only thing, and it was kind of a big thing that we stressed about was are we actually in danger? Are we going to make it home? And all of us kind of sat around and we were like, huh, we're in a new, new country, new place. Something could go wrong at any moment, but that's out of our control. So we all kind of came to this realization that something terrible could go wrong. None of us could go home. And in this odd way, it brought a sense of peace and comfort, knowing that we didn't have control over something that was out of our hands. So we go to the Middle East in March and we, turn, we return home in February 
about 11 months later, and, and candidly, coming home was really, really, really hard. I essentially had to relearn how to live a normal life. For 11 months, I lived in the middle of the desert with anywhere from 12 to 40 different guys, and I came home to a two-bedroom apartment with my parents. That alone in itself was not easy. On top of that, I had to relearn how to socialize with normal people outside of the military. If you don't know, the life inside the military is not easy. You hear crazy things, you see crazy things, you do crazy things. You get this kind of like different mentality that turns on in your head that once you're in it for a long time, it's hard to switch that off. I was awkward around people. You can talk to Kate. I had a hard time socializing. I was like a robot that didn't talk to a female in like a year. So I was just constantly slipping up over my words. I was nervous what I was going to say. But ultimately, I had to adjust my mind into knowing that I wasn't in danger everywhere that I went. I had to live and try to live with this freedom that I hadn't had in over a year. There wasn't a 10-foot concrete wall with barbed wire over a five-by-five-mile base in the middle of the desert. I could drive where I wanted. I could sleep however long I wanted. I could eat what I wanted. I could talk to whoever I wanted. I could walk down the street freely. And I had so much freedom that it spun me into this heavy depression and anxiety to the point where I literally had to seek help. I had to go see a professional to help me get out of this mindset. And in a way, I had so much freedom that I kind of became a slave to my freedom. I didn't have somebody telling me when I had to be up, where I had to go, what I had to wear. It was 100% on me. And it stressed me out. I allowed the complexity of the mundane day-to-day to rule my life. Now, it seems like it should be the opposite, right? Like, you come from this extremely dangerous situation, this dangerous, com- this dangerous country in your home, and you're like, everything's amazing, but it was the complete opposite. My heart and my mind were worried about things that simply did not matter. And in the 11 months I was gone, I relied on an individual person to give me my direction. And then I came home and I had this anxiety because I was alone and I didn't have anybody telling me what to do. But then when people tried telling me what to do, I got mad and pushed it away. And I tried solving it by consuming temporarily satisfying things that would fade and then I would get numb. I'd go back to how I was. And in the midst of all this, I had a soul that needed restoring and a heart that was lacking worship. Now I tell you guys this because I need you to know why you need to pay attention. Why, Why do we need freedom from anxiety? And the truth is because people everywhere battle with anxiety. It's so, so common. And anxiety, according to Regeneration Ministries, is defined as lingering apprehension caused by unclear future events that seem challenging, daunting, or uncertain. And actually, according to Forbes, 31.9% of adolescents aged 13 to 18 battle with anxiety. And 50% of young adults, same thing. They report struggles with anxiety. And to me, this is absolutely heartbreaking. So I'm not a doctor. So I can't speak on the science behind it, but I also cannot deny the fact that this is a huge, huge, huge problem. It's such a big struggle for so many people. And from my perspective, this is only getting worse, but my hope for tonight is that after hearing this message and hearing what Jesus has to say, that at least one of you, whether you're a student or an adult, can walk out of here and find freedom from anxiety. 
So anxiety or worry, you'll probably hear me say worry pretty often tonight, it's a natural human emotion. It's a powerful response that pushes us towards our independence and it exposes our lack of control over things in our life. And in the midst of anxiety, we fail to see that good, the good that God has to offer us and we fail to worship him. And the big idea that I want all of you guys to remember, if you're a note taker, you can write this down. Jesus offers freedom from anxiety when we seek his kingdom first. Jesus offers freedom from anxiety when we seek his kingdom first. We're going to be looking at what Jesus has to say in the book of Matthew. So if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead, open up to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. If you guys are familiar with this passage, it takes place um, in the middle of Jesus' most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. He's he's approaching um, this topic and he's about to start talking about worry and anxiety. And just before this, he talked about how, how we're supposed to pray. And in my Bible, this passage is literally titled, The Cure for Anxiety. The Cure for Anxiety. So Matthew 6, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you, more worthy, aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wild flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So when I read this, there's two points that come to mind that are going to be the two main points for this evening. First one being consider his kingdom. And the second one being connect with the king. So first one, consider his kingdom. This covers verses 25 to 30. And and Jesus is talking about all of these things that all of us constantly worry about. He lists them out. What what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? What are we going to drink? And then he asks this question, isn't life more than food and, and your body more than clothing? He goes on to talk about the birds in the sky, how they don't fly around just collecting their food and storing it up somewhere. They're always taken care of. They're always provided for. He talks about the flowers and the the grass of the fields, how they're always beautiful and they're always flourishing, but they can't do any of that on their own. They're taken care of. And in the NLT translation, I love this, this language that it uses. It says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. They dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Now, when I hear the word dominate, it's it's a powerful word. It's a big word. The first thing that comes to my mind is something getting utterly destroyed and taken over and having like no remains of it left. It's dominated. It's completely devoured. And then then I put this in the context of worry or the context of anxiety and stress in my life. And frankly, it freaks me out. Living a life dominated by anxiety, living a life dominated by stress, it sounds terrifying. 
It's exhausting. Worrying is exhausting. Walking around this life, worrying about thing after thing after thing, it is exhausting. Anxiety is dominating. When you let it into your life, it takes over you. I walked around my life in a state of exhaustion because I was trying to do everything on my own. My mind was consumed by what I had to get done, where I had to be, who I needed to see, what I needed to do to please my parents. And it destroyed me. And almost all of the worry and the anxiety in my life stemmed from trying to organize everything the way that I wanted it to be. I wanted to be in in control. And the problem was, the problem actually with all of us is that we try to build these many kingdoms up. We fail to consider God and his kingdom. And we try to develop our own personal kingdoms. We try to build our walls up. We try to guide our own steps. And the truth is worrying gets us nowhere. When I came home from my deployment, I was an anxious mess. I covered it with posting a lot on social media to make everybody know that I'm home and that I was happy, that I was glad to be back, but really inside I was freaking out. I drank a lot. I spent a lot of time traveling. I, I, I literally was doing everything that I could to make it look like I was having a blast. Nothing helped. And I would try to read my Bible, but I wouldn't try to read my Bible out of, out of a place of consuming God's word. I would do it to try to find a Band-Aid that would cover up the pain that I'm suffering through. And it came to a point where I get help. And I, I actually remember this night like pretty vividly. I was sitting in my, my parents at the time. They were in an apartment while they were waiting for their house to be done. And I'm sitting there. I was playing video games with a friend. And they came in. I forget how the conversation started. But I remember taking off my headset. And I didn't mute it. So my friend is sitting on the other side listening to all of this. And the first thing I said when we got done, I put it on. I was like, did you hear that? And he's like, yeah. Um, but basically, they came into my room and I lost it. I remember my mom, my mom was getting mad at me for, for the way that I was treating her and the way that I was acting. And I, I had some pretty bad anger problems when I got home and I'd blow up quickly and I'd freak out. And I instantly started targeting her, coming out my dad, like, dad, she doesn't know what she's talking about, blah, 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 blah. I broke down in tears and it wasn't like crying, feel bad for me. It was tears of anger. And it was tears of frustration and built up just aggression and anxiety and stress and everything was coming out and I was blaming them for not understanding. You don't get what I went through. You don't get what I was doing. You don't get what goes through my mind. And it finally came to a place where I was talking in circles and I was like, mom, mom and dad, I need help. I need help. I need to go to counseling. I need to see somebody. And it wasn't until I finally admitted the fact that I was dealing with this, that freedom actually started to show its face. I went from following somebody else's every command in a foreign country where my life was in danger to being hit with freedom that I fell a slave to. I was following my team leader's instructions, David Safe, that's his name. He's one of my best friends. And everything, he'd come into our room in the morning, hey, yup, you're dressed, cool, good to go. He lunches at this time. All right, sweet, see you there. I felt at peace when I tried following his command When I tried following somebody else's voice, there was peace. But the second I tried following my voice, there was anxiety. In the same way, when we only follow our voice, we're going to find anxiety. But when we follow God's command, there's so much peace. The stress of of our desires, the stress of our lives, the anxiety of our struggles seemingly is drowned out by the goodness of what God commands us to do. 
So I sought help from a counselor and, and it was wild. It, I, like day two, I was like, whoa, I'm like a different person. This is insane. And, and I remember sitting there in his office and he told me the most like obvious things that I've been hearing. But for some reason, it just clicked. It might've just been because it wasn't from my family or my parents or my siblings or something, but it clicked. And he looked at me and he said, Jake, you're, you're, you're 20 years old. You have a full-time job. You have a phenomenal relationship. And you're getting married in six months. You have parents that love you. You have a God that provides for you. But ultimately, man, you have a God that wants to take that burden off your shoulders. You have a God that wants to that wants you to surrender this struggle that you're having, surrender these doubts, surrender these fears, and just give them to him. He provides for you in every way, shape, and form. Take a step back and breathe. And for some reason, that obvious truth was one that just zipped over my head for like months, and then it finally just clicked. I had been safe. I was taken care of. I was loved, not only by my family, but by God. I was so blinded by trying to control everything going on that I missed the point that God was the ultimate one in control. And through all of this, I think I learned that where there is anxiety, ultimately there's a lack of worship. When we as believers can come to a place of worship, you can find freedom. We have to first consider that there is something else something greater, something bigger, something better that is out there. And his name is Jesus. Somebody who is mighty and powerful and willing to take the burden. You might have some people in your life that are like, oh yeah, I'm willing to help. And then you text them and they don't respond. But Jesus comes to you and, and I have a tattoo. Of this, this actually during this whole process, I got a tattoo of this. It was just like a little brain baby that I had of this image of, of me on my knees like this in a place of like utter surrender in my heads down, arms are up and Jesus is right above reaching his hands down. That is what goes through my mind when I picture freedom Him picking us up, taking us where we were and bringing us to way new places, way better places. You guys, I, I believe that you'll never truly find freedom from anxiety if you fail to consider the kingdom of God. Now let's think about his kingdom for a second. In a way, we're kind of living in it. We're all his creation, all of us, created by him, the birds in the sky, the clouds, even the snow outside, as annoying as it is, was created by him. It's all so complex, but it's beautiful and it's simple. There's a difference between a life that is detailed and simple and a life that is complex and confusing. When I was gone, everything was detailed down to the smallest thing, but everything served a purpose and when followed correctly and when obeyed, worked flawlessly. But when you mix complexity with confusion, anxiety creeps in. Stress creeps, creeps in, doubt creeps in, worry creeps in. When you consider his kingdom, when you consider who is in that kingdom, peace comes in. Calamity, tranquility, all of it comes in. But when you consider the kingdom, you must then connect with the king that is in that kingdom. So my second point is connect with the king. 
verses 33 and 34 One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Connect with the king. None of us can find freedom if we're not actively seeking and connecting with our king. We're trying to orient our schedules to fit him in, but we're not making him the king of our life. We're trying to get that specific job that'll provide for us and it's consuming our mind and we're constantly striving and striving and striving, but we're failing to connect with him. He commands us to seek him above all else. doesn't matter if you're the most stressed out as you possibly are. If you just look up and seek his goodness, there's freedom. And I've said this all night. I notice that I find myself the most anxious when I'm failing to connect with Jesus. I worry about my finances. I butt heads with Kate. I'm stressed out about jobs. I'm stressed out about you name it. And for you guys, maybe you're worried about school. Maybe it's college. Maybe it's sports. Maybe, maybe your parents are giving you anxiety. Maybe the rules are making you mad. Maybe you got your driver's license test coming up and that's just consuming your mind. Maybe you wake up every morning and you look in the mirror and you cannot stand the way that you look. So you walk around in shame and in darkness because you're just so worried about what people are thinking about you. Anxiety is so real and it breaks my heart. How many people struggle with it? Well, let me ask you a question. What, what are you setting before yourself? What are you connecting with that you're allowing to consume your mind? When you wake up every morning and the first thing you do is roll over and snooze your alarm, you sleep in the extra 30 minutes that you really want, and then all of a sudden you're late and you jump out of bed, but before you even get ready, you pick up your phone and you have to see what you might have missed in the middle of the night because a lot of stuff happens at night. So you start scrolling to make sure that you're not missing out on anything. And you're like, oh shoot, I got to go to school. And you put your clothes on and you run out the door and you're late. And you're worried about getting to school on time. Then you get to school and you're trying to play catch up. Then you get home and you're, you're exhausted and you're tired. But I got to go back on my phone before I go to bed. So I'm going to do that. But then I'm up till one in the morning and then I, the, the, the cycle starts over again. You wake up late, do all this over and over and over. By doing that, you are filling your mind with anxious thoughts from the moment that you wake up. The second your eyes open, it's about you. I'm just as guilty of this as anybody. Literally this morning, my alarm went off at 7.05 and I didn't get out of bed till like 8.10. It's so common. So I'm not going to stand up here and act like I don't battle with this myself. Seeking God's kingdom is a daily choice. We need to train our minds to focus on him the second that we wake up. Wake up and get into the word. Don't wake up and get into the world. Go to bed in prayer. Don't go to bed staring at your screen, taking in lust and lies from the enemy and closing your eyes and having that consume your mind. There's freedom that is offered to us. But how do we get it? You might be thinking, how do I connect with the king? We need to fix our eyes. We have to orient our lives, confess our worries, confess our fears, confess our doubts and seek his righteousness, not our own solutions. And it starts by intentionally spending time with Jesus, worshiping him, 
Worship can be anything from reading your Bible to praying to hanging out with your amazing community of friends to serving people to dancing. You name it. Giving thanks to God for what he has done and praising him that he has carried you through it. He commands us to seek him, but he follows it up with a promise. He says, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be provided for you. Now, this doesn't mean that if you just seek his kingdom, you're going to wake up a millionaire tomorrow. That's not what I'm getting at. What it means is that when you're actively seeking the Lord in every aspect of your life, he will take care of you. You'll be happy. You'll be content. You'll be satisfied with where you're at. He'll free you from the grips of worry and the grips of fear. He will sustain you. Just like it said in the beginning of the passage, if he takes care of literal grass, how much more do you think he'll take care of you? Or the birds in the sky. If he loves the animals of this world so much, how much more do you think he loves you? The fact that he went to a cross for each and every one of us is just beyond my comprehension. Your burdens are not too heavy and your anxiety is not too complex. So if you're sitting here right now and you're like, nobody will ever get it, he gets it. Trust me, there's no situation that's too dark for him to intervene in. So take a step back and breathe and trust that he'll be there for you. And I, and I, I mentioned praying and reading the word and, and I just want to expand on that a little bit. And I want to give you a few tangible things that you can do if you're battling with anxiety tonight. First one is pray. Earlier on in Matthew 6, I said it earlier, Jesus literally breaks down how to pray. If you're like, I don't know how to pray. I don't have the entire thing pulled up, but go be by yourself. Close your door. Be in silence. Connect with God. Worship him through prayer. Confess to him what you're dealing with. Ask him to intervene. Allow him to intervene and ask, ask for forgiveness for the areas that you've fallen short. Second, read the word. Read God's word. Some of it's really confusing, I'll be honest, but then there's also some parts in there that you're like, wow, this is beautiful. Observe what's happening. Figure out how to apply it to your life and, and pray and thank God for his word. And then this last one, it's, it's not scripture, but it's something that I learned through time going through counseling, and it's literally to breathe. Taking deep breaths. When you're feeling anxious, literally, just right there, it, it calms you down. Take a step back and view everything from like a bird's eye view. Oh, it isn't that bad. Take a deep breath in, deep breath out. Scientifically, taking a deep breath literally lowers your blood pressure and relieves anxiety and stress from your life. And the last one, go outside, go exercise. It is wild what can happen to your mental health when you physically take care of your body. So those are just some easy, tangible things if you're sitting here and you're like, I am really struggling with this and I don't know where to go. First, before all those, I'd say tell somebody. Talk to your leaders, talk to the people in your small group. But to close, I want to leave you with a thought and, and just another passage that's on my heart from Philippians. Uh, Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7 reads this. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through, pa through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all 
understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer. It's wild what happens when you actually read God's word and see how straightforward it is with a lot of things and how Jesus follows through with his promises. My big idea at the beginning was Jesus offers us freedom from anxiety when we seek his kingdom first. When we seek his kingdom first, our needs are taken care of. He watches over us and he removes the anxiety from our lives. And it's not just a a thing that he's going to remove and it's going to be completely gone. I can almost guarantee it might come back up every now and then, but remember the truth that he has to say. Remember that he is always, always there. So consider his kingdom and connect with the king. Connect with him. There's freedom in Jesus, and I pray that all of us can continuously find the freedom that he has to offer.